Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. Paula White, President Trump's spiritual advisor, doesn't exactly hide her beliefs, which isn't a bad thing. She goes on television, supports her boss, rebukes the devil, and speaks in tongues. Hey, free country. But Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, sees a bit of a problem developing there. I'll let him fill us in. Lincoln, what's on your heart? Well, under the four years of President Trump, he, I think, with a well-intentioned, and perhaps more than religious, a politically motivated intention to support religion, allied himself with a whole coalition of religious writers, by and large. There's a crew that we won't name here, but second-generation crew of those who wanted political power for religious forces within the United States, and that's their right. Yes. But speaking as a Seventh Avenue with a, a rather clear prophetic understanding of what will happen at some point in the future, and understanding the Constitution and its mandated separation of church and state, I think it's been a dangerous coalition. But as part of that coalition, the president has joined with some rather interesting characters. You know, I can't help even laughing when I think about it. And Paula White is one of them. She has a strong following, but I think the vast majority of the United States, and perhaps even the vast majority of those with a deep faith of some type or another, will probably chortle when they see Paula White at work. You know, I watched a video of hers the other day, probably the same one you saw, whereas the election seemed to be slipping away. You know, she, she was carrying on. It was sort of a combination of a holy role of religious moment and uh, a fundraising on public radio, because while she was cavorting before the camera, there's someone walking backwards and forwards. <laughs> looked like with ballots or something. Ballots, yes, yes. <laughs> there was a strangely mundane aspect to a very unusual religious exercise where she was hyping herself up and then methodically thumping. I pray for these angels, I pray for these angels, and, and I still don't know why the angels are coming from Africa. The president had some rather scary things to say about African countries, and then she ended up babbling away in tongues. Well, you know, tongues is not only an acquired taste, it's a very narrow taste even among Christians. And Seventh-day Adventists for a long time have seen this not necessarily as improper, because there's some evidence in the, in the book of Acts that, that they were ecstatically uh, speaking, and you can, you can say that they were given the gift of known languages to communicate better, or probably as well, I think there was some just neural overload where they were full of the excitement of the Spirit. With, you know, that happens to little kids even. Yes, it does. Or even me, I've been so excited, you can hardly speak straight, you know. But this practiced artificial-sounding language makes me a little suspicious because it's incomprehensible religion that, that appeals to a sort of an unthinking and unbiblical crew, if you like. And, you know, that's fine. That's been a phenomenon of the United States for years, snake handling and all the rest. But to see this associated so consciously with the presidency made me very, very uncomfortable. I'm old enough to remember way, way, way back when Billy Graham was in his infancy as far as uh, dealing with the rich and the famous and uh, became what was called the chaplain to the presidents. 
there were many then, and, and even right up to his death, and himself even, who thought that this might not have been good in retrospect. Billy Graham felt that he'd gotten a little close to power. And I can remember infamously, he was recorded in the, uh, the Watergate tapes, uh, for want of a better description, in the inside room with Nixon and his crew, saying some very prejudicial things that were most unchristian, most intemperate, perhaps his right as a citizen, but inappropriate representing religion. And so I think this was the latest iteration of this marginal religious practice that had been so ensconced in the White House that even as the president spoke, I think, well-meaningly of religious freedom, his particular favorite form of religion was anything but general and, and applicable to the sensibilities of most people. So to cut to the chase at the end of the day, it was rather a contradiction in terms that a certain favoritism rested upon religion that would be uh, startling and unacceptable to many people. I'm not called to love all religions. I am called to respect all people following their, their faith convictions. I don't think all faith practices are uh, created equal. Some of them are foolish. I could pity some people for what they do. But I have to, as I've said it on this program, if I believe in religious liberty, if I believe in a God-given right, I have to defend their right to believe and practice or disbelieve whatever they want, as far as I can, to the threat of my life even. And of course, you're talking about President Trump can have any religious belief he wants. Paula White can have any belief she wants. But the problem comes how? When does the problem arise with those religious beliefs coming from their hearts? The problem at the root of my comments is America understands, I think, looking at some other countries, when you have a state-established religion, even in England, benign as England may be, it's problematic for a broad-based religious freedom to have the Church of England as the official state religion mm -hmm. that is funded and supported and integral to even the authority of the rulers. Right? Mm -hmm. But that's a benign form. Yeah. But it goes further back. You've got you know, King Nebuchadnezzar. He'll cut your head off if you don't yeah. worship the way he wants. Yeah. Worship his gods, as he said, yeah. to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so even for a, a White House, and the head of state of this country founded on constitutional principles of separation of church and state, when this White House embraces a particular form of religion to its bosom, yeah, yeah. there's the danger that that's how it defines it. And by definition, almost everybody else is then on the outer. It's, it's better to have leaders and a president himself who speaks well and glowingly and supportively of all faith, but does not choose one among the others to hold up as the uh, state exemplar. Okay, I'm understanding it now. Now, Lincoln, when you told me that you wanted to talk about this today, you titled this program Babylon and Religious Liberty. What does Babylon have to do with what's going on today? Yeah, thank you. You're voicing what I hope the listeners would think. You know, Babylon, literally, was the capital of the Empire of Babylon and the Medes and the Persians and Assyria and so on. It's down the river a bit from Baghdad today. Mm, yes. We know historic Babylon. Yeah. But as a principle, Babylon means something. The word is confusion. Mm. And that's what I want to link into. Mm. In many ways, politically, we are already at the point of Babylon in the United States. I have never in my life seen such confusion, disruption, antagonisms, 
all voices speaking at once, all wanting to be heard, yeah. right? And we're in great danger of descending into the literal Babylon, a total babble of voices that nothing can be heard clearly. And on the issue of religious liberty, we need to go back to first principles, separation of church and state. First principle is not that this is a religious republic, never was. Thank God it once was a predominantly Protestant Christian society, yes. which, which had an innate morality and yearning toward God that defined it in very special ways. But we've got to go back to this respect for religion, but keeping it at arm's length and encouraging and empowering and undergirding the rights of all people to seek God in their own way. And, you know, obviously you and I know that way for yes, ourselves. Yes. We don't think all ways reach to God. Since World War II, Western society has sort of come at that, you know, all roads lead to Rome. But as far as reaching the divine, I, I think some are blind alleys. I really do. Not just secularism. But we need a state that protects everybody's right to believe differently, but doesn't hold up or worse, because it's the next step, then project a model on people and somewhat require them to worship that way. I like that, because I used to live in Japan, and there was a saying there that said, there are many paths up Mount Fuji, but from the top you see the same sunrise. That's not necessarily true, you're saying. No, I hadn't heard that statement before, but that's the Eastern equivalent yes. of what has been said philosophically in the West for a long time. Comparative religion studies in most theological seminaries have crossed that horrible uh, bridge a long time ago. They sort of see all religions as finding God in their own way. Yeah. And the Bible, if we're Bible-based, doesn't say that. It's antithetical to biblical thinking. Most gods and most approaches to God, they're just gods of iron and of clay and of wood. Okay, let's make this practical for our listeners, Lincoln. What can we do, sitting in our church pew, to make sure that we're not part of Babylon, the one that's destroying religious liberty? I'll go back and sum it up a way. Let's just close the chapter on, on one term of President Trump and his administration. On one hand, they'd said wonderful things about religious liberty, and you can't naysay them. Liberty's printed a presidential proclamation of President Trump upholding religious freedom. Great. There was nothing wrong with that. And uh, even in the dying days of his first term, he said incorrectly that under the opposition party, religious freedom would disappear and so on. But he was stating that as his principle to uphold religious freedom. I'll give him top marks for that side of it. But in practice, a lot of what was done because of this strange alliance, and mostly done by the proxies, was to project into the seat of government a particular form of religion. And so I've said many times what we've seen for several years now was religious entitlement, not general religious freedom. When I think of his presidency and also his supporters... I really don't think a broad base as far as religion is concerned. It's, it's very narrow, and it's almost as if they are a one-tune songbook, and that's not a good thing, you're saying. Right. I was just reading one of their, uh, I'm not sure if it's a proclamation or an actual legislation, but affirming the right of religious freedom in the schools. Mm, right. right. And, and, you know, this is an area of great confusion, and they were asserting what I would agree with that the student's right for religious freedom must be upheld and, and specifying what they can do and how they are to, the individual student is allowed to practice their faith and express their faith and so on. Yeah. That is true, but 
sort of uh, along with that concept was a push to increase religion in the schools, to have the Bible studied and so on. That's not good. And most people, by these different telemarketing appeals, have been incited to, to agitation over the lack of religious freedom, have been sold a very bad story that, that you cannot express your faith either in the school or in a public place or in an office complex and so on. Of course you can as an individual. Yes. What you don't want is the government or even an employer requiring and directing your practice of religion. But obviously someone with a public trust not just the president, but public officers, they can't use their political power to organize or force religious activities. It has to come from the heart and be on an individual basis. LibertyMagazine.org is the website. Listener, we invite you to visit there. Listen to these programs, subscribe to the magazine, read some of the articles there, and Lincoln's blogs, all waiting for you at LibertyMagazine.org. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258 or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. <laughs>